Hello everyone and welcome back to our character series on Noah. We've just seen some crazy stuff, but let me just say you ain't seen nothing yet. My name is Josh Green. And my name is David Dominguez. This is our podcast, Stained Glass Stories. Let's get started. As we just read back in episode two, The Flood, Noah was commanded to build an ark by God so that Noah, his family, and a sample size of all creation would survive the flood. Noah does this, and the flood comes and raises up the ark, covering everything underneath it. Noah waits an entire year for the floods to reduce enough for the land to be inhabitable. Then the Lord commands Noah to exit the ark and to be fruitful and multiply and populate the earth. Lastly, God establishes his covenant with Noah that he will never again destroy mankind or the animals of the earth by the way of flood again. And as part of this covenant, he uses a rainbow or simply a bow as a sign or reminder of his grace towards us. Now, we're all familiar with the story of the flood. Right? It's kind of a universal story, but you may not have heard about this next story we're about to read. And if you have read it, then you might be more confused or bewildered than informed at this point. So let's take a look at verse 18 in chapter 9. So Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, begin their journey to repopulate and disperse among the earth. Now, right off the bat, there are a couple of interesting things we can note from how the names of Noah's sons are presented. First, Ham is always listed in between Shem and Japheth. But in verse 24, we read that he is in fact the youngest of the brothers. Second, we are told that Ham fathers Canaan over and over again which is worth noting because previously that was not the case when Ham was mentioned. And Canaan will continue to pop up throughout our time in Genesis, including within this story with Noah. Spoiler alert, but we will dive deeper into the three sons later. For now, let's continue with the narrative. So we're told that Noah works the soil long enough to have his own vineyard, which theoretically could have taken him years And once he has this vineyard, he drinks a little too much and becomes drunk, laying uncovered in his tent. A few too many grapes there, Mm. Noah. So all things considered, obviously not the worst place to be uncovered, I suppose, in your own tent. Right. So then we are told Ham, who is the father of Canaan, as we're going to reinforce, saw his father's nakedness, and he went to tell his two brothers outside the tent. And again, this is all the scripture telling us. So his two brothers, Shem and Japheth, proceed to get a garment, walk backward, and cover their father's nakedness up without seeing his nakedness. Okay, so weird. Right, super weird. Well, when Noah wakes up and realizes what his youngest son had done, he curses Canaan. Hmm? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Thanks, Cubes. So... You heard us right. He cursed Canaan, not Ham, who was the culprit 
right? And he states, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. Noah then blesses the God of Shem, Japheth, and continues to curse Canaan to servanthood. Now, we're going to talk a lot about interpretations and what this passage could could be meaning, but I think it's worth us taking a little bit of time before we go into that discussion, and we, we before we, we discuss all those interpretations, to just take some time and, and dispel a sickening misuse of this passage in the past, which was used to promulgate slavery, the slavery of African people. So a couple of reasons this just doesn't make sense and is not faithful to the text is the curse on Canaan is something that we see played out with the Canaanites, right? Like if you continue reading scripture, we see that. And within our story, Canaan is the only one who is cursed. And while other sons of Ham did eventually settle in the northern Africa area, none of these other children are cursed. So this just, I think, is is a sobering moment to take a step back and kind of like realize reading scripture, thinking deeply about these things matters because it can be very easy to misuse scripture and, and I would say scripture outside of its context and, and to use it to, to hurt other people. So, Yeah, if you're not familiar with this curse of Canaan and how, how it's been used to basically, as David said, promote and justify slavery, then you can do a little bit of your own background research there. But just wanted to make you aware that this was a common justification using this curse of Canaan to enslave black people, assuming that those who were of color were the ones marked by the curse of Cain. Yeah. Which, it doesn't make any sense, as David already reinforced. It doesn't make any sense. They're not from the African region. They're the Canaanite people. It's specific to the Canaanites. And Canaan is still of Noah. Correct. So, I mean, it just, there's no logic there. Yeah. I mean, many, this will be the last thing I say about it. Many... Many of the people who promulgate this called it the curse of Ham, which I think is just really telling of how well they they read scripture. Right. Because as we already talked about, Ham was not the one who was cursed. Yes. Very interesting story. Let's let's move on. Yeah. So with regards to this bizarre story, you might be asking yourself multiple questions, such as what did Ham do? Why is Ham's reaction to seeing his father's nakedness so weird? And why did he go tell his brothers? You're you're not seven, (laughs) you know, grow up. So immediately the story just doesn't make any sense. Also, the brother's reaction is indicating that they need to physically walk backwards to cover their father's nakedness. There must be some significance here that we're just not understanding. So how do people make sense of this passage when it's just not very clear. So what we're going to do is we're going to discuss the major interpretations for this text during this episode. While we discuss the pros and cons of each interpretation, we'll be looking at which interpretation answers major questions of the story, including what was the sin of Ham? Why was the punishment so severe? Why was Canaan punished and not Ham? Why does... Ham get called the father of Canaan repeatedly prior to the story. So let's get into it. 
All right, yeah, so there's, again, a lot of really big questions. Now, we'll be up front. Um, we're going to be leaning on an article by John Bergsma and Scott Walker. The, the name of the article is Noah's Nakedness and the Curse of Canaan, um, based on Genesis 9, verses 20 through 27. So if you want to dig deeper into this subject, we're kind of going to give like the major points for each of the interpretations and then kind of go from there. So our goal is to just share all three major perspectives and then leave you to kind of wrestle with which is more most convincing. So the very first interpretation on the list is this interpretation that in the story, what's going on, Ham's sin is that of voyeurism, okay? So basically stating that his sin was that he just saw his father naked, okay? Now, the strength of this position is, I think, pretty apparent right away, right? Is that it is very conservative. It doesn't try to say anything about the story that is not explicitly stated in the text, right? And so having said that, that's its strength. It doesn't do a great job of explaining a lot of these other big questions that you that you posed for us, Josh. It doesn't really explain why Noah is so upset and why he would need to curse Ham's son instead of Ham, who was the one who saw his nakedness. And not not only that, it also brings into question, like, why was the punishment so severe if all Ham did was see Noah naked? Right. Right. And, and so another issue that arises with this view is that in order for this to be a big issue, we have to assume that it was taboo to see your father naked at this time. Right. And we'll cite the scholars on this one, but... Basically, people who studied like Near Eastern tradition and history cannot find any link between seeing your father naked and seeing that as just this like huge taboo thing. So there's just no real connection there. So while while it is it is very conservative in what it is saying that is happening in the story, it doesn't really answer too many of our questions. Mm. Yeah, so we'll look to another interpretation, see if we can make some improvements. So the next interpretation on our list is that the sin of Ham was actually castration. All right. If you don't know what castration is, I hesitate to say look it up, but it's cutting off the things that make a man a man. Or or in some Midrash traditions, like mangling it, like like physically. Mutilating him. Yeah. So yeah, you heard that right. This interpretation is mostly found in rabbinic sources like the Midrash. And what scholars have found is that the rabbinic view arose as an attempt to address the inadequacies of the voyeuristic interpretation. Some other contextual support for this position is that there were some near ancient Eastern mythological characters that castrated their fathers to usurp authority. But this idea is found nowhere else in scripture. And the strength of this position is really that it provides a reason for why the punishment is harsh and why it's not on Ham but on his son Canaan since Ham would have deprived Noah of a fourth son and the command to be fruitful and multiply has now been made impossible. 
Yeah. If you will. So the biggest weakness is that there's no lexical hint in the text that points to this being the case. Right? Which is a pretty large hole. I mean, it just there's nothing there that would even begin to indicate that this has occurred. And we also don't really see this pattern in Scripture again. There's yeah. no other evidence to suggest that this is something that occurs to usurp authority. There's no other story that indicates the same kind of relationship. So it's kind of difficult to make this assumption other than the fact that it does help answer some of our questions. It's just not biblically coherent. Mm. So it's logical, but it doesn't line up with Scripture. So help yeah. us out, David. Give us another one. Yeah, I'd say like that that second interpretation, like like you said, like it being plausible is true, but to your point, you we would almost expect to see something else in scripture um or in the old testament that would kind of correlate with it yeah. um to make some sense of 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 a passage that's not very clear. And we don't want to entirely rely on the midrash. Correct. Which is just I mean it's basically like a commentary. If if you were to read a commentary today and, you know, somebody 50 years from now were to say, like, well, the commentaries of, of tw- the year, you know, 2022 said this, which if, we're, you know, we're, we're, all we can rely upon is historical data. That's just not the super, that's just not the strongest argument to to depend upon. Right. All right, so we've seen the first two positions, voyeurism and then castration. Lovely. The the third one has a almost like a two-part to it. This now I will say this third interpretation is most common among scholars. Um, and it's the position that the sin of Ham was some form of incest. And we're going to unpack that in a second. Um, now, some think that paternal incest could be at play. That is that Ham has taken advantage of Noah. And basically this, this, these two interpretations arise from when the scholars see verse 24 in chapter nine, that says that Noah saw what Ham had done to him. And they think that this is pointing to some crime being committed more than just seeing. So he, they think, okay, so it couldn't just have been him seeing. And so what they do is they textualize the phrase seeing his father's nakedness as an idiom. Now, if you're not familiar what an idiom is, an idiom is just a group of words established by usage as having a meaning that is not deducible from those of the individual words. That was just a lot of words. So yeah, we're going to give you an example to make sense of it. So, for example, if you ask someone, this cat, you know, has a cat got your tongue? We aren't asking them if a cat actually got their tongue. But we are asking, you know, why they're being so quiet. And so if we see this idiom of seeing your father's nakedness, Somewhere else, it could maybe shed some light as to what it means. Right. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so, what's really interesting is this idiom is used repeatedly in the Old Testament. Right. So, 
specifically in Leviticus, but also in, in Deuteronomy. Those are the two places that we're going to go to today and actually read it. So let's look at the this idiomatic phrase to see the Father's nakedness um, in some of the uh, some of the texts. So in Leviticus 18, verses 7 through 8, it says, You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. Now in verse 8, it says, You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. So you see, nakedness of the father is actually referring to the mother's nakedness. Mm. Now, obviously, this idiom is not just saying like that seeing your mother naked is seeing your father naked. It's referring to sexual acts, right? So like a sexual act with your mother would be, would be the meaning of the idiom seeing your father's nakedness. This happens again in Deuteronomy 27, 20, where it says, Cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife. It's a little bit more explicit here. Because he has uncovered his father's nakedness. And all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Right? Like that's that's I would I would say that that's a pretty clear use of the idiom, right? Leviticus kind of like uses the idiom to its fullest extent. Where you're like reading it, you're like, oh my gosh, just seeing people's nakedness back and forth. Deuteronomy kind of like highlights like lying with your father's wife that is uncovering his his nakedness. Now, this this idiomatic phrase to see the father's nakedness in all of the relevant texts is associated with heterosexual activity. So this is kind of where we're going to start dividing the the position of okay, there was some form of incest going on. Why do why why paternal or maternal verse one versus the other, right? Yeah. And yeah, so so let's go let's go there. Yeah, so like David said, you might you could theoretically apply this to paternal incest, right? But textually we can say no because when condemning homosexual regulations, such as in Leviticus 18:22 and chapter 20 verse 13, the verb shakab, which means to lie down, is used. So the phrase to see nakedness is never found in association with homosexual relations anywhere in the Bible, which obviously Ham and his father would be homosexual relations. So the idiom refers to intercourse, but strictly heterosexual rather than homosexual intercourse. So we're <laughs> getting deep here, but some other support for this view is that the only other reference to drunkenness in Genesis also occurs in the context of paternal incest. One as a precursor to sexuality and a theme in the Old Testament. So, this interpretation sen- tends to answer a lot of of the big questions, right? Which is probably why a lot of scholars lead this lean this way. So, the first question was, you know, why is Canaan cursed? Well, because he's the product of incest, right? So, before we move on, real quick, we we've talked about that offhandedly. But this is very important to remember that because there was an incestuous relationship between Ham and his mother, there is a theoretical offspring. Correct. And that offspring is Canaan, which I think is really interesting. And of course, as you're going to unpack, this is what enables this theory to probably be the strongest interpretation. Right. 
And so second, it answers the question of why is Ham repeatedly identified as the father of Canaan only in this section, right? Like we, we talked about in our previous episodes how the list of Noah's sons was given in chapter 8. Right. And nowhere does it say Ham, the father of Canaan. It, this only begins right as this narrative of this specific mm-hmm. story is going to appear. Post-flood. Right. And so the answer to that would be, well, because this story is about how Ham became the father of Canaan. Um, at least in this in this interpretation, right? The third one is, you know, you don't really have to ask yourself, like, why is Noah's reaction or the curse that he puts on Canaan so severe, right? Like, this is a severe sin or crime, so it makes sense that the punishment would be um, severe. And then... Yeah, I'd be pissed. C- correct. <laughs> and then... It could also even point to some of the the motivation question as to like why would Ham want to do this? And this specific view would kind of lead towards the idea that he was doing this to usurp his father's authority. Now, this is where the scholars also point to this being as another another point of support for this in interpretation, because Throughout the Old Testament, like sleeping with one's father's wives or concubines is seen repeatedly as a means of usurping their authority. We see this with Reuben in Genesis 35 and 49. We see it with David and and Saul in 2 Samuel 12. We see it with Absalom in 2 Samuel 16. So yeah, just another thing that the scholars kind of point to as, as, as some support for this. Right. All of, all of these stories being that the individual sleeps with their father's wife or concubine, and it is very clear in the text that this is an act of disrespect. This is not just something that occurs in happenstance, but it is very intentionally done. So having said that, there are still weaknesses in this interpretation yeah. of the story. This would assume that the telling of the story is compressed, obviously, and that the author states that the, that Noah curses Canaan or the child that will be born and named Canaan in the future. So because we read of Canaan's name prior to this story occurring, it can get a little confusing. Mm-hmm. So we do see something in, similar in Genesis 5, verse 32, where Noah is 500 years old and fathers three sons, all three being born separately at different times, but the sake of the story the chronology is condensed. So all three are stated at once that Noah fathered all three. So it's a weakness, but it can certainly be understood that Canaan is referenced multiple times before we get to this point in the story to draw attention to the character and the fact that, oh, oh, that Canaan, oh, oh, Ham, oh, Ham's his father. Oh, shoot, like, the, the reader who would have already understood the context of the people of Canaan would then, you know, immediately recognize that we're at this part in the story and this is how this curse of Canaan came about. One last thing as well there is, you know, with the establishment of the idiom of uncovering your father's nakedness, referring to basically sleeping with his wife or your mother— then this would also kind of lead us to have to interpret when Noah's two sons 
come in backwards to avoid seeing their father's nakedness as basically just doing the opposite of whatever it is that Ham did. So in the voyeuristic view, for example, they looked, uh, or sorry, Ham looked, they didn't. In this case, Ham had sexual relations with Noah's wife. They did not, right? In 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 some some way or capacity. So there there is, like you said, there's still questions and um with with all of these interpretations. So, but these are kind of the three major interpretations of the text. Um, and like I said, they all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses and. We, we want to leave it up to the listener. If this is an area of interest or a verse that is interesting to you, you know, dig deeper. Consider which interpretation is most faithful and ultimately correct. You know, like I'll I'll show my cards here. Um, you know, I am most persuaded by the maternal incest account, as we kind of just shared there, because I I just think it provides. Mo- the most answers to the major questions that that the story arises. But having said that, I, I think there's a few takeaways from this story that are clear regardless what interpretation you hold on to. First is that Ham sinned in some way and his son Canaan was cursed by Noah. Okay, This curse was for Canaan and his descendants in relations to his brothers. And we will see this fractured relationship play out as we continue to go through the Old Testament. So this story has nothing to do with the cursing of a specific ethnicity. Right, right. Uh, and just going back to your previous point, uh, in case you're curious, the Bama podcast, which we've referenced in the past here, holds to the castration view. So, and, and predominantly because it's written within the Midrash. So there's plenty of reason to believe in a couple of these interpretations, some people hold to the voyeuristic view because it's, as David already said, conservative. Yeah. But I would probably myself also lean toward scripture, interpreting scripture. So when we see in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the the references to uncovering your father's nakedness being maternal incest, I think it's fair to to create that parallel here in the story. So... Moving on, as chapter 9 closes with Noah's death after he has cursed Canaan, all this happens very, very quickly post-flood, right? The story is just kind of thrown in at the end of this long flood narrative. And we see that he, Noah, blesses Shem and Japheth. And then immediately chapter 10 begins with a familiar phrase. These are the generations of the sons of Noah. Right, So we read of the generations of the sons of Adam. Here we are at Noah. The narrative goes on to discuss how humanity becomes divided into different nations. This section is mostly in list form, depicting land areas which Noah's sons populated with their descendants. Altogether, we see 70 nations slash people groups that descended from the sons of Noah, which is an interesting number. And it often represents totality or completion. So Japheth goes first, and his descendants descendants took the coastland regions and the islands off of the Mediterranean Sea. And this would be kind of the Europe and, and Asia Minor regions. 
Ham's descendants get a lot more attention uh, within the narrative. Mostly, they're established in North Africa, and among his descendants are many of Israel's future enemies, including Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. Cush fathers Nimrod, who is linked to the great cities of Babel, Babylon, and Nineveh. Mm. Mm. So one of those cities will play a pretty large part of our next story, which includes a tower of Babel. (laughs) (laughs) It was like right at the tip of my tongue. Uh, So Nimrod's kingdom is the antithesis of what God desired. And we hear of Sodom and Gomorrah here as well. So big allusions to future stories and passages. Yes. Shem's line is one to keep an eye on. As we know, eventually Abraham will come from this line. And that's in the Mesopotamia and Arabia region. Yeah, so overall, there's just a lot of content and connections that can be made with this, what many have called Table of Nations, which we won't get into, but it might be good to come back to this list once we're further along in the Old Testament and kind of make some more of those connections. Big picture, what we can get from this section of Scripture is that the world is being populated and humanity again appears to be moving in the right direction, or so it appears. Overall, this completes our journey through the narrative of Noah. If you are interested in who were the Nephilim, who were the sons of God and daughters of man, maybe you're interested in more parallels between Noah and Adam, and many more interesting questions, we invite you to join us next time as we recap the story of Noah and the flood. Mm. So we thank you as always to Victor Paez LeMay for mixing and editing, as well as Charles Spears for the music. We thank you for joining us, the listener, as we've explored the flood and a few other very intriguing stories associated with our main character, Noah. So we'll see you guys on the next one. Here is Steve.